Hi, and welcome back to I Love You. I know. I'm Amanda. And I'm Kevin. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and Star Wars, but it's mostly about Star Wars. So, Kevin, we took a week off. That's kind of weird, right? It was a little weird, but, um, you know, I think we needed to regroup, find some new topics to talk about. It was a busy weekend. We had friends over for the first time in forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so weird that like we hadn't really seen anyone for over three months and then we got to see uh, some very dear friends of ours that I I think it's really fun because, you know, we occasionally talk about relationships on this podcast and they are just a year married. And so it's really cute to be able to see that because we're old and married for many, many, many years. A lot of years. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I kid around, but it, it's really been a wonderful, uh, what's it going to be, 17 years this year? Uh, I think that's right. I don't know. I always have to look. You did me the greatest favor in, in engraving our uh, anniversary date in the ring. And like, I remember that our anniversary is November 28th. That's easy. But the year, I'm bad at years. So it's 2003. So yeah, it'll be 17. 17. Yeah. Yeah. I can do easy math. Excellent. Subtraction. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Um, But no, I I think we needed a a week off. And I think that that's one of those things that, you know, we forget about in our culture in general is that we never take time off. Or if we do, it's to go somewhere and do something. And right now it's basically impossible to have that type of uh, disconnect. And so for us to kind of change up our schedule, I think was really important. And so I encourage the like handful of you guys still listening to us in uh, quarantine, please do something for yourself. Please change up your schedule. Treat yourself to some time away from your regular responsibilities. You may not be laying on a beach and, you know, sipping a Mai Tai, but you certainly deserve some time to take care of yourself. Um, one of the other things that we've been doing while we've been stuck at home is watching a lot of TV and, and you know, different uh, shows that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise seen. And I think one of the things that we've noticed is kind of a common thread on some of the newer content that we've seen is that not every character is good or bad. There's no black or white, you know, everything shades of gray. And I think that's why we're coming back this week to talk about a character that we kind of feel like has always been an important hero in the Star Wars saga, but essentially is always in the shades of gray, the way that he behaves. And we're going to point to a few instances in which he's made some questionable choices. And I guess ultimately because it was for the greater good, we kind of give him a pass. But Kevin, who are we talking about? Um, R2-D2, man, he is a little, he's a little scamp. And, uh, <laughs> no, we're talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, also, I would probably also describe him as a scamp, especially in his youth. But yeah, he's, you know, he, he comes on the scene as sort of like, you know, Luke's father figure and his first guide into the force. And from the very beginning, it, you know, he's, he's lauded as like, you know, he's the, he's the Jedi that teaches Luke about the Jedi. He's the person who teaches us about the force. Um, and so it's presumed, you know, and he fights Darth Vader and, you know, helps them destroy the Death Star and everything. And it's presumed that he's inherently and unequivocally good. But um, the more we learn about his story and then the more we reflect on who he was in the original trilogy, the more there are a little bit of opportunities to uh, to question uh, some of the choices that he made. And, you know, and arguably... Uh, some of these choices led to the whole set of problems that we have to deal with um, in the fall of uh, the fall of Anakin and the rise of the Empire. Agreed. Agreed. So, you know, I, I think ultimately when we talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, we're going to determine that he falls on the side of good. But 
he he could have done things better. And I guess hindsight is always twenty twenty, and we need to recognize that and not be too harsh on any one person um, if they're willing to learn from their mistakes. And some of his mistakes we'll talk about that he does seem to learn from and others he continues to repeat that maybe uh, he deserves to be a little bit more uh, harshly critiqued for. So to begin, he steals Anakin's lightsaber. So, you know, in their final battle, or not final, final battle, but their final battle when like he's like, you were my brother, I loved you. Um, you know, and he carves up uh, Anakin, leaves him to burn slash die, and he picks up his uh, lightsaber. Like, that was kind of a jerk thing to do, right? Yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple things there, right? First of all, you know, if we're talking about that scene and we're talking about um, questionable Obi-Wan choices, and I'll, I'll say this because it's not on the list, like carving up your, your best friend and then, and then leaving him to die horribly and then not even, you know, sticking around to mercy kill him or whatever was probably one of his, you know, worst choices. Um, and, and that's really, we, we, we're, we're going through a list that we found online and sort of critiquing the list, I suppose, as much as anything else. Um, but taking his lightsaber, it, it felt like a really weird, a weird thing for him to do because, you know, why did he do it? Was it a trophy? Is it, you know, what, what did he think he was going to do with it? You know, I mean, ultimately, I think, you know, from a sort of from a movie perspective, it, it needed to, you know, fill that bit of continuity that he has, you know, Luke's father's lightsaber and gives it to Luke. Um, and so, you know, somehow in, inherently he had to get it. But it's it's just sort of weird that he had it in the first place, and it's weird that he took it from that battlefield. Um, you know, it, it would almost be more on uh, both, like, on brand as a Jedi and, you know, or whatever for him to either, like, throw it in the lava lake or have taken it to, like, put it in a memorial in, you know, in the Jedi temple at some future time or whatever. But that really didn't seem to be his motivation. He just seemed to want to want to take his buddy's lightsaber for some reason. Right. I, I think it was probably more likely it was him taking it to fill in that plot hole. But, you know, it also does come across kind of like him taking it as a trophy. The other thing that I suppose, you know, the number of times we've watched other content and even in Star Wars is that we've seen, you know, it's like, don't leave the gun near the bad guy's like reach. And at this point, it's unlikely Anakin would be able to wield his lightsaber, but the guy's super duper strong with the force. So it's entirely possible he still could have used it as a weapon that it was, even though he was barely clinging on for dear life. And I, I agree. I think maybe the bigger crime here isn't that he took the lightsaber, but more that he didn't mercy kill his friend. And, and I think that was because Obi-Wan just wasn't strong enough to do it. And he really should have been. He should have been prepared for that. And that's disappointing. And I think that's a weakness of the Jedi on the whole. Right. And, and I mean, to, you know, in a little bit in his defense, he flat out told Yoda that he wouldn't be able to kill Anakin. Right. That he said he could go fight him and he wouldn't be able to kill him and ask him to fight Sidious. And Yoda's like, no, nah, you don't have that fight in you. And and Yoda was probably right. Although I think it would have been interesting to see what Kenobi style would have done against Sidious because Sidious and Yoda had such similar fighting styles. I'm not sure that Obi-Wan's command of the force was quite strong enough, but Obi-Wan had spent more time fighting recently than Yoda. And so it would have been interesting to see how that fight would have played out. Right, but excuse my language, but I think Obi-Wan would have gotten his ass kicked very quickly by Sidious because I think his command of the Force, while strong, was not the same to be able to use the Force as a weapon and as a shield the same way that Yoda did. 
against him. And I, I think that that was Sidious's style as well, not just a lightsaber, but, you know, to use the force and manipulate it as a weapon. Whereas we never really see Obi-Wan do that. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Yeah, okay. But anyway, uh, not a real not a real strong moment for Kenobi all around. Um, and, and certainly one that, that became very problematic for him after that. Agreed. So moving on, uh, let's talk about how he manipulates the, the truth when he talks to Luke. Uh, this comes up a couple of times on the list, and I, I think we can, we can separate it in, in two different ways. Predominantly, the most important thing, I think, is that he doesn't tell Luke that his father is Vader. He tells him his father is Anakin Skywalker, who fl- uh, fought and flew in the Clone Wars and was a great pilot and wanted him to have this lightsaber. But he doesn't, like, connect the dots. Why doesn't he do that? And why is this such an atrocity? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't do it presumably because he doesn't think that Luke is capable of handling that. I mean, well, okay, he really doesn't do it because he's afraid of Luke having that knowledge. Because I think he's afraid that if Luke knows that his father is Darth Vader, that he might run off and go to join him, right? I mean, this is a kid who was ostensibly orphaned. Um, only knows his aunt and uncle, you know, Obi-Wan's been keeping an eye on him. Presumably, you know, him and Yoda have been talking through the force about him. Yoda's definitely been keeping an eye on him and he's got this eye for adventure. He's got this eye for excitement and, you know, finding out that like your, you know, your father's actually like the, the number two guy running the galaxy. There's probably, I think he's, he's scared of the risk of what that would do to Luke that he might, he might run off and go try to find him. And then secondarily, or or just reveal himself in some way, right? So I think I think he's he's continuing to try to to keep Luke hidden. And then also I think he's um, again afraid to admit to himself and to this new kid that he's trying to mentor that it was it was his fault and that you know that Anakin and Obi and Anakin and Darth Vader are the same person. I think that Obi Wan knows this, but I don't think he's willing to. Um, admit his failure to himself or someone else, even after, you know, the the 18 years he spent, you know, meditating and thinking about it. That's completely it. I totally agree with everything you just said there. I I think that, you know, if Obi-Wan was able to understand and reconcile the feelings that he had about essentially his failures as a mentor and Jedi Master to Anakin, that he would have been able to tell Luke the truth sooner because he wouldn't have been afraid of repeating the past so yeah now i'm not really sure what he thinks the end game here is that like you know eventually he's probably i guess i guess his assumption is that luke you know remember that obi-wan and yoda's plan is to defeat the emperor right to defeat palpatine and so i guess maybe he's thinking that he could just get luke to kill vader at some point without ever talking to him which, you know, not an unreasonable plan, I suppose, because, you know, people don't really have a lot of conversations when they're, you know, trying to kill each other, probably. But um, turns out he's wrong on that. Yeah, he's wrong on that. All right, moving on. Uh, snooping on Anakin and Padme. It seems like when you've got a Padawan, you should be able to teach them how to be trustworthy. And obviously, he, we know that he's failed there. Uh, and, and so he's got these instances in which he eavesdrops on their conversation. He, you know, kind of manipulates his knowledge of their relationship to his advantage or sometimes to Anakin's disadvantage. So, you know, what do you t- make of this? Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I think this this 
point specifically refers to a scene in episode or in the season seven of the Clone Wars, which is the most recent recent season, where um, Anakin gets one of the clone troopers. I want to say it's Rex to sort of try to distract Obi Wan while he has a secret, um, you know, video phone call with Padme, and and Kenobi makes it clear that he knows what Anakin's up to um, when he when he confronts Rex about it. And he, I think he even says to Anakin, or he at least says to Rex, like, you know, tell Padme I say hi or something, right? So he obviously knows about this. I, I, you know, I'm not really sure what his motivation here is. I think one thing is he wants Anakin every once in a while to know that, you know, Obi-Wan's in charge. But at the same time, he doesn't try to put a stop to it, which maybe, um, and we've, you know, we've got something coming up. Maybe it's his own feelings of guilt about a, a time that he's done something similar, or maybe... You know, I, I mean, really, really, that relationship, if it were allowed to be public, would probably have been really good for Anakin, right? And so maybe he thinks that, you know, he's doing him a favor by letting him have that relationship, but by forcing him to keep it a secret and not not truly letting him know that he knows um, it's not really protecting him the way that he thinks it is. No, it, it's hurting Anakin, it's hurting Padme, and it's hurting the relationship that Obi-Wan has with Anakin. And that's just really disappointing because I feel like, you know, if Anakin had felt he had support in his relationship with Padme, even if it was just help from someone else hiding it from the Jedi Council. I mean, tons of Jedi kept secrets from the Council. That's just kind of their MO. It's lots and lots of secrets. So, you know, at the end of the day, if he had had a little bit of a conspirator, then maybe it wouldn't have been the Emperor. Palpatine wouldn't have been the best bud for Anakin in his hiding this relationship it would have been obi-wan saying yeah we can totally protect padme she's not gonna die stay on the light side of the force yeah yeah i think that's right and instead he had to you know sort of order one of his subordinates to help him cover it up which is not really the best way to cover something up no definitely not poor, um, poor rex <laughs> poor rex caught in the middle of it rex is we're we're gonna have to have a whole episode where we talk about rex because i feel like he's had um a very interesting set of adventures and he just he basically flies under the radar. He doesn't get the credit that he's due because he is a clone. Yeah. And he, he truly is an individual. Yeah. I mean, going back to my R2-D2 comment earlier, right? He is he's, He and R2-D2 have a lot in common in that they are both underappreciated because they're, you know, R2's a, R2's a droid and he's a clone, but they're, they're there for everything. Like they're the, you know, and so, yeah, I think we'll definitely, we should do a, a Rex episode sometime. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Rex. We're moving on. Um, l- let's talk about Obi-Wan's relationship with Satine, the Duchess of Mandalore. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is a, a good one to talk about next, right after the Anakin Padme, you know, sort of cover up. So just to, as a reminder, when Obi-Wan was young, he and Qui-Gon were ordered to protect the Duchess Satine of Mandalore. And the Duchess and Obi-Wan ended up having some sort of rom- romantic relationship, which, you know, then he went back to, to the Jedi Order. She grew up to run Mandalore. And then, the, you know, sort of it ended when Maul uh, murdered Satine to try to get Obi-Wan to turn to the dark side in a very like Joker Batman kind of situation. Um, uh, and and so, you know, the, the, the bullet point in here is that, that it was shady that he had that relationship. I think that this is actually one of the more honorable things that he did in the context of who he chose to be, right? The Jedi Order forbade those kinds of relationships. He had the feelings for her. They mutually agreed to stop their relationship so that he could follow the rules of the Jedi Order. And then he did that for, you know, for the rest of his life, really, or the rest of her life anyway. 
Um, and so I, I'm not sure that this was so much of a, of a shady doing for him. Yeah, I don't think his actual relationship with Satine was shady. I think what was really shady as all get out was at the end when he basically puts it on her as an ultimatum. If you had told me, I would have left the Jedi Order. And it's just like that. I, I thought that was way too much pressure that he put on her in a very unfair position that, you know, she really she could not have asked that of him, that it's too much to have asked of him. And I think that if they had a healthier relationship that they could have talked to each other and agreed upon that together without her asking him to do it. But instead, he was like, oh, if you had only asked, I would have done it. And and that just, that was a really unfair thing of him to say. And I think that was shady. Yeah, all right, I'll give you that. Now, I also think that this points to one of the inherent flaws in the rules of the Jedi Order that ultimately leads to its downfall. But, you know, let, let the, let people, people need relationships. It's important. And um, and forcing people to suppress that and deny that um, ends up leading you to an unstable group of people that ultimately miss important things about the relationships between other people in the galaxy that lead them to just miss huge signs that they're about to be destroyed. Yeah, that that's exactly it. It's that the world, the galaxy, it needs to exist beyond just yourself. And so I, I think that's the big difference is that the Jedi look outward and the Sith look inward. And at, at the end of the day, the relationships that Jedi have when they look outward, they don't look to include themselves in it. And that's where their fatal flaw is. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So brainwashing, not a good thing. And unfortunately, we see Obi-Wan do this kind of frequently. And sometimes it's to his gain. Sometimes it's to just everyone's mutual uh, gain. And other times it's just he probably has done it just for fun. So <laughs> so the, the first instance that we're going to talk about is, uh, you know, using the force against a bar patron. Yeah. And so in um, what was it? Attack it, of the Clones. Yeah. In Attack of the Clones, after the chase scene um, where the, uh, the assassin tries to kill Padme, uh, Anakin and, and Obi-Wan end up at this like bar slash, you know, gambling club or whatever. And they're looking for the bounty hunter that's a that's a changeling. And, you know, Obi-Wan tells Anakin to go look for her. And then he says, I'm going to go get a drink. And he sits down at the bar and just very casually, this dude comes up to him and says, you want to buy some death sticks, which appear to be cigarettes. And Obi-Wan starts using the force on him and tells him, no, I don't want to buy your death sticks and tells him, you want to go home and rethink your life. And the guy says, I want to go home and rethink my life. And he basically, it seems like through the force, he just told this guy to like abandon his occupation of selling death sticks in a bar, which admittedly not a great thing to be doing, but he basically just manipulates this guy without his consent into rethinking his entire life and potentially, you know, choosing to do something that is not good for him or worse for himself than, than selling death sticks. Right? Yeah, he might start running spice. We don't know what happens he, to the guy. Might, or or he might, you know, he might try to become an actor and, and be really bad at it. Or he might, you know, I don't know. Like there are a whole bunch of things like that. It just felt like a very, and, and the way that Obi-Wan just sort of sat down and did it casually gives the impression that this is a thing that he does on the regular. Right. Oh, totally. And so, um, I mean, if you think about it, you basically you've got this member of like this cult of wizards who's just going around and ordering people to do things without their without their knowledge or consent. It's very fascistic. And uh, and it's not it's not a great look. And it's it's supposed to be a little moment of comic relief. But when you really think about the implications of that, you don't know how how often the Jedi are going around doing that. And moreover, the Sith are doing that to the Senate at the same time. 
right? Presumably Palpatine's been going around doing this to senators and that's how he ends up in control. And so when you sort of play this all the way out and you realize that there are people just going around doing this to each other, it's pretty terrible. It's horrible, completely terrible. And one of the interesting things that we see in this scene, it, which you already touched on, is just his casual nature about doing it. And here's this guy. Yeah, I I mean, I'm assuming death sticks are slightly worse for you than cigarettes. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, wow, this is not a good look for this guy who's, you know, trying to deal in cigarettes. And this other guy who's just like, no, you want to go home and rethink your life. And if let's say I was a two pack a day smoker and I decide I'm going to go to a hypnotist and learn how to like quit smoking. Well, then that's my choice. This guy didn't like do that. He he didn't make that choice. And I, I think we see that play out with the cis side on a far larger scale. But think of the thousands of Jedi that we know that are scattered through the universe. How many times are they doing things like this? Yeah, that's right. There's actually in um, in one of the Legends books, um, there's a scene because, you know, Luke Skywalker, of course, not having quite as much Jedi training. He does. He witnesses Obi-Wan doing the, the Jedi mind trick. And so this is one of the few things he knows how to do. And he gets into um, uh, a uh, he's in an X-Wing and he's flying against a bunch of TIE fighters and they're well out and out. You know, they're outgunned. And so he decides that he's going to just like. Touch the minds of the TIE pilots to make them less reactive and then proceeds to slaughter them, right? Because he just basically makes them just, you know, sluggish and dumb. And then he then he and he and Han and the Millennium Falcon go and kill all of them. And afterwards, he immediately says, yeah, that's probably not a thing I should be doing. He's like, I know I can do it. And I know that they were crying to kill me, but this does not feel like a good light side use of the force. And so then the next time they're in an overwhelmed battle, Han, you know, radios over to him. He's like, hey, can you do that thing you did at Nikolon? And he's like, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that again. And Han's like, fine, we'll do it the hard way. And, he, and and then Luke proceeds to, you know, use the force to guide his actions and slaughter all the TIE pilots anyway. But Luke recognizes that this is not a good practice and decides that at that point that he's not really going to do it anymore, except in, you know, very dire and very specific circumstances. Right. And we get a glimpse of that in, you know, Return of the Jedi, where Luke tries his Jedi mind tricks on Jabba and Jabba's like, that's not going to work on me. But, you know, that that's one of his first go-tos. And presumably because, you know, we've seen Obi-Wan do it. He's set the precedent that this is what good guys do. No, good guys do not engage in mind control. Bad news. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this one I, I'm going to kick over to you because uh, I don't remember this one as much. And I thought it was interesting in the list. So how about you go for it? Yeah. So the next one in the, in the list is letting uh, General Krell uh, let clones be murdered or not murdered, but let clones get killed. And what this is, there's a there's a really, it's a short, I think it's a two or three episode arc in Clone Wars where there's another Jedi general. Uh, his name is Krell. Uh, he's got, he's, he's the same species as the guy who runs the diner that Obi-Wan goes to. He's got four arms, big dude. And Krell is sort of, he, he runs his military units a little bit differently from uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin. He, he's much more cavalier with the lives of the clones. And so, you know, the clones question his orders quite a bit and he gets put he actually gets put in charge of rex and some of the 501st because anakin's off doing something else or whatever and he basically he comes up with this plan that's going to lead to like a whole bunch of clones getting killed and says you know like frontal assault this base even though we know that you're going to get slaughtered like i decided that that's the way we're going to take this base and the clones sort of radio back to obi-wan and say hey could you talk to this guy because 
you know, uh, he's ordering us to do this battle and we have this other plan that will result in very few of us getting killed and still be able to take the objective. And Obi-Wan basically says, well, I don't know what to tell you. He's your general right now, so you got to do what he says. And he um, just sort of abdicates and says, you know, it's, it's Krell's plan. You have to follow Krell's plan. And, and it turns out in the end that Krell is actually um, gone over to the dark side and he's auditioning for to be Count Dooku's a new apprentice. Um, and, and so he was deliberately leading the clones to slaughter, but it was just, it was a really bad look for Obi-Wan. And, and, and it kind of speaks to this whole thing of the Jedi, you know, being very rigid about order and rules and everything else and then he basically said the council has ordered that krell is in charge of you and so if krell says that you guys should just jump off this cliff what am i going to do about it right and i think that speaks to two problems one is a unnecessary and overreaching trust in the jedi council and secondly uh not truly viewing clones as actual humans he views them more so than maybe mace windu does but, you know, they're a few steps above droids. And, and that's disappointing because as we've learned, they've got all these personalities. They live these lives. They have these relationships. They have these friendships. They have this um, sense of brotherhood. They've created a place in the universe. And instead, we're treating them essentially like, you know, cannon fodder. And it's, it's disappointing to see from someone that we have labeled as a hero. Yeah, Absolutely. And um, yeah, and then also, once again, failing to spot the dark side guy. But that's, you know, whatever. Yeah, he always fails to spot the dark side guy. That's really <laughs> like, I don't understand why he keeps doing that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's bad at that. Yeah, and I, I think that's the arrogance of the Jedi. Um, and, and this is, uh, that, that's actually a, a good lead in to his failure to kill Maul. He cuts Maul in half. And I, I think that the bigger problem isn't so much cutting someone in half, but it's being ignorant of the other side of the force. It's to think that you can only know your side of the force and be a true force wielder. And as a result, he has no idea. Like, I'm not saying study the dark side of the force and then become a Sith Lord, but at least like have a little bit of an understanding of what goes on on that side. Because otherwise, you'll know when you cut someone in half that they'll just like sustain themselves on the dark side of the force and live until someone puts them together, gives them a robot leg or whatever the case may be. Yeah. I, and I think that I think that's a, an, a, a really good point and and. Part of that, I think the other thing that's that's sort of scandalous and shady about about this that particular action is that um, the Jedi, you know, in their code of honor and the and the code of fighting lightsaber duels, there are certain sort of rules and and things that are considered to be you know essentially cutting a guy in half like that is is a, a equivalent of a war crime. Um, you know what you're supposed to do in a lightsaber duel is try to disarm your opponent first. And usually that's meant somewhat literally with the cutting off of the hand or an arm um, to prevent them from fighting you anymore, which is often an outcome. And then if you if you must take a life, it's a, you know it's considered to be honorable to either take off their head or stab them through the heart. And cutting somebody in half like that is considered to be a relatively brutal and unnecessary. Like if that's all you've got, then you're not like you've you've gone over right. And so it, it's it, in a lot of ways it's viewed as as kind of a dark side um, action on Obi Wan's part to to brutally try to kill this guy by cutting him in half instead of like a more merciful way to kill him. And and it's it's a funny contrast with the way that he fails to kill Anakin. Right? Obi Wan seems to have this this sort of 
um, just this weird relationship with, you know, one-on-one battles and, and the way that he ends them. Um, but, but it's certainly considered, you know, sort of forbidden to, to um, attack somebody in that way. And that, you know, he should have followed a little bit more of an honorable path and continued that fight until he could make a better mark. Now, on the other hand, you're fighting to the death, so you got to do what you got to do. Um, but it was definitely, he made a deliberate choice because remember he vaulted over him. He was behind Maul. Maul did not see a strike coming. And so he could have struck him anyway, and he chose to do it that way. And it was needlessly brutal and and cruel. Yeah. And I, I guess like at at the same time though, we know from that scene, uh, that Obi-Wan was not fighting with the light side of the force there. He was so upset, and, and you can hear it in the music. You can see it reflected in Darth Maul as well. You, you know that he is fueled by the dark side of the Force for him to quote-unquote win that battle. He does not win that battle with his knowledge of the light side of the Force or his ex- excellent lightsaber skills. He wins because he lets his anger control him, and he's able to then cut Darth Maul in half. And again, through what I was saying before about his ignorance of the other side of the force, he doesn't realize that that's not a true win. That's just basically a stalemate until later. Yeah. And since we're bagging on Obi-Wan, I will say that there's a little bit of a, it's a really, um, and this is one of my, why one twin sons is one of my favorite episodes and my favorite stories is sort of the redemptive arc of both Obi-Wan and Maul in that one, in that, in that, in that final fight that he has with Maul, um, he does it very briefly. He doesn't drag it out. He kills him with a blow to the heart as as is sort of appropriate. And he really he does it in a resigned way that he he was fighting with the light side. He needed to protect Luke and he really didn't want to kill Maul at that point. But he but, the you know, the force sort of drove him to that point. And at the same time, at the by the same token, at that point, Maul had sort of realized that his revenge story had come to an end and that the universe was better for it. Um, and so I will say that this is one where, where one of the cases where Obi-Wan did, I think, learn from his mistake. And the next time he faced Maul, he faced him in a, or not the next time, but that final time that he faced Maul, he faced him in a, in a, from a much better frame um, and did the right thing if the right thing ever involves killing someone. Completely agree on that front. He finally did learn from one of his previous experiences. I think a lot of the things that we've talked about thus far he doesn't truly learn from him. And that brings us to the next thing. He doesn't learn from it. He doesn't tell Luke that he's got a sister. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. And so then Luke winds up making out with his sister. Not cool, bro. Yeah, yeah. That that could have been prevented. And, you know, I don't blame Luke or... I, the only one I really blame in this a little bit is Leia because she does later say that she always knew. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'd love to know what goes on in the palace at Alderaan. Um but uh but yeah but i also blame leia there because she's using a a sexual wile to make one party jealous of another party she doesn't do it because she's like super got the hots for luke she does it because she wants to stick it to han and i i think that is very manipulative and not great but either way that notwithstanding uh, a brother and sister wind up kissing. Not cool, bro. Right, and 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 moreover, a brother and sister end up not knowing that they're brother and sister, and that she and that Luke could have. There are so many things that could have happened if Luke and Leia knew that they were brother and sister, and that they were both the children of Anakin Vader. Right, if 
First of all, she could have been learning about the Force too. Luke could have been teaching her about the Force at Hoth, right? She could have gone with him to Dagobah. We could have had two people learning how to use the Force and fight, right? It's almost a very misogynistic choice to tell the the boy and not the girl. Completely um, agree. Right? And so and and like and so I think that like the the gross kiss while gross is a microcosm of a whole bigger problem that Obi-Wan caused. And really Yoda reinforced because Yoda could have told Luke or Yoda could have reached out to uh, to to Leia through the force and told her. Right. Like there are a whole lot of ways they could have done this for whatever reason. They decided to let Leia not be involved in this whole thing. Now, at the same time, Leia was doing a pretty good job of running the rebellion against the Empire. And maybe they you know, were just choosing not to disrupt that. But I cannot I can't see a world where being a force wielder wouldn't have helped her do a better job at that. Right. And maybe the only possible scenario that I can conceive of is that if you don't tell Leia that she is the son of Anakin Skywalker and that she's got a twin brother, Luke, who is being trained and groomed to be a Jedi. If you don't tell her those things and she doesn't stop what she's doing, she doesn't stop the rebellion and go, oh, screw this. I'm going to go learn how to be a Jedi, too. So maybe it's possibly because they want to keep the resources divided so that they've got someone who can continue to run the rebellion. Although we know that it's like Mon Mothma and some of the old Senate crew that are really running it. Right. So I, I don't know why why you just don't tell the truth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the only, only other thing is that they were holding that back just in case Luke failed. They didn't want to send both of them in at the same time. I mean, you basically, you've got you've got two shots left, right? You kind of want to take your shot and see if it lands. And then if it doesn't, you want to take your second shot. And maybe by using both at the same time, they thought they would burn all their chance at once. But I feel like a two-on-one against Vader is a better choice than a one-on-one, which is a lesson that they learned from fighting Dooku, from, you know, basically each of them went up against Anakin one-on-one at some point and did not succeed. So I'm not sure why you wouldn't send in all of your cards. Um, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird choice. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it really defies explanation. And, you know, it worked out in the end, but it really could have not. I, I think ultimately the reason why she doesn't get told is you know a misogynistic version of you know the storytelling is that we want the the male hero to go and save the female and eventually when it's convenient to have the male teach the female how to be a jedi that comes into play but he can't be both the student and the teacher he has to be a jedi master so he anoints himself at a certain point um in order for her to learn to how to how to be a jedi and that's disappointing but you know, it was like 1981, 1983. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I think it was. A, I think also it may have been a, a plot point because you know, if you think about the sequence of like the reveal of that information, um, it almost seems in Empire Strikes Back that Obi Wan doesn't know about Leia because Yoda kind of says, "No, there isn't." You know, he says that boy was our last hope, and Yoda says, "No, there is another," as if like Obi Wan wasn't. Uh, you know, some of this stuff I, I I love to talk about it, and I love to think about the motivations and everything, and then sometimes I do have to to take a take a moment to stop and realize that some of this stuff was written on the fly and uh it was probably as as much misogyny as it was also uh lucas hadn't decided that until he wrote return of the jedi yeah yeah no, i i mean hindsight's always twenty twenty, and that's why we're talking about this but you know ultimately you know just Obi-Wan, I, I think, wasn't trying to do the wrong thing here. But again, wrong things happen because he didn't tell the truth. 
Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, and this is this goes to a whole bunch of stories. And if, if everybody just would stop lying to each other and stop keeping secrets, um, things would have been a lot better. That would end every program we've ever watched on the CW, though. So true that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, moving along. Uh, once again, Obi-Wan, he shows a callousness as far as mind control goes. And his uh, total comfort level of messing with stormtrooper minds I mean, it works in his favor and it works in progressing the story the way that we want to see it move. But it's uh, those are real people there. Yeah, I have absolutely no problem with this. This is a reference to the scene on Tatooine when um, they're going to Mos Eisley uh, and they're going to the cantina to you know find their way off of Tatooine. And Obi-Wan, you know, they get pulled over by a couple stormtroopers and they ask a couple questions of Luke about like, how long have you had those droids? Let's see some identification. And then Luke says, you don't need to see our, or um, Obi-Wan says, you don't need to see our identification and does the Jedi mind trick for the first time. And first of all, revealing the powers of the force, um, you know, to, to us, but also I, I don't know, like I, I, I have no problem with him doing that at that time because what are his alternatives, right? Like Luke already tried to fib his way out of it and didn't work, right? They could present their ID and what get arrested or he could whip out his lightsaber and start cutting down stormtroopers and murdering them in the street. Um, I guess these are all bad solutions. They're all bad solutions. Yeah. And like, and, and I feel like a gentle nudge to their, to their minds to say, just forget about us is, is sort of the nonviolent, you know, sort of passive way out of that situation. And yes, it's mind control, but you know, it's mind control of the people that are going to try to, you know, take you prisoner and probably execute you. So, uh, you know, in contrast to his earlier mind control that was just sort of like cavalierly messing with somebody's life, uh, this was a situation where he was using it to prevent committing violence on them, and I I have no problem with it. Okay, and I mean, I'm, I'm still not wild about mind control, but I, I think we've explored the other alternatives which could have happened during that scene, and all of them were probably a lot worse. Um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, one of the themes that we do see is that those who are easily manipulated tend to be quote unquote bad guys and so you know when they tend to go towards either dealing drugs or working for the empire they are easily manipulated and low-hanging fruit for someone like obi-wan and, and so we don't the only time we see him kind of like we talked about earlier go after someone who's who's maybe a little bit stronger and it's i think truly because um the huts are not mean manipulated except for when it comes to money like you know he he doesn't really go after anyone super strong yeah i mean remember qui-gon tries the same thing on watto and it doesn't work right so like this isn't this isn't a, a move that's in fell and i think that was a, a wrong move by qui-gon right don't like a dishonest deal with a guy right you know manipulating his mind to try to to rip off a hyperdrive from watto was not not good now watto not great not one of my favorites he uh you know slave owning guy on Tatooine. We're back to slavery again somehow. But um but yeah, I think that I think that, you know, messing with stormtroopers a little bit to get away so that you don't have to either have like a big chase scene or a shootout, I feel like uh for the good of you know the the innocent bystanders on in, in Moss Eisley for that matter, probably fine. Yeah, probably. And I, I guess you make a really good point, though, is that they're willing to manipulate people to get their own way. But then they're, you know, ultimately they could use that same manipulation, those same powers and free more slaves. And they never do, which is, I think, a really 
shady thing that the Jedi don't do. Right. Yeah. Like he doesn't walk into Watto's place and then find out that that Anakin's a slave and just go, you will release your slaves. Right. He he like and and in fact, he does this whole elaborate like it is pretty wild now that we're now now you're getting me going on it. But like like it's pretty wild that he he cheats at dice in order to make Anakin the prize for gambling that he also kind of cheats at by putting Anakin in it. Right. And then he manipulates like chance to allow Anakin to be legally freed instead of just going like you will free your slaves. Right. Or going over to like going over to where there's got to be some clerk. Right. That's involved in the like the the signing over of this, you know, the slave deed or whatever. Like he could go manipulate the clerk if if Watu can't be manipulated, but he doesn't do any of that. He like manipulates a deal and he makes a deal with the guy. To, so he knows that re, like that freeing slaves is a thing that you can do, but he chooses not to not to use his powers to do that. And it's pretty it is it's pretty scandalous. And then the irony, which isn't even on our list, is that when Anakin joins the ship and they're escaping Tatooine from Maul, you know, uh, Obi-Wan is basically like, how can I, can I tell that we're picking up another, you know, random pathetic life form? Yeah. He calls him him pathetic. Like it's, it's harsh. Uh, Yeah. He has zero sympathy for this little boy who's just been freed from having been a slave. He's like, he calls him pathetic. That's not cool. No. Yeah. Not to mention a little boy who was just freed from being enslaved and then taken from his mother and they're just jetting off to go wherever. Right. And I guess they just kidnapped this kid. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's wild. (laughs) I mean, they got the mom's blessing, so I don't think we have to call it kidnapping, but it's still not great. Not great. It's pretty close. Yeah. I I mean, I guess presumably, you know, when Obi-Wan was two or three, he was probably taken from his family by the Jedi Order. So he doesn't really like understand family. But yeah, all that uh, brings us to what is probably the worst thing that Obi-Wan did. Speaking of not understanding family. Oh, my goodness gracious. When our good friend Ahsoka Tano is condemned by the Jedi Council and Obi-Wan Kenobi agrees with it. He doesn't stop them. He just kind of like shrugs his shoulders and shakes his head in a a sad, quasi-sympathetic way, but is just like, well, all these other Jedi Masters think these things. I'm going to go along with them because they're Jedi Masters and they might be smarter than me. And it's like, no, man, you raised... Or raised, I, I don't know, you, you trained a Jedi who then trained another Jedi who you were involved significantly in the training of, and you don't trust them? Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this refers back to, you know, the, the where Ahsoka Tano was falsely accused of bombing the Jedi Temple. It turned out to be her friend, Barris. And when, you know, Ahsoka uh, gets, she gets charged with it and the Jedi Order expel her, yeah, First of all, Obi-Wan's on that. He's on the panel that makes that decision. He has fought side by side with her for the three, four years at this point. Oh, through yeah. The, through the whole war. He, to, your, to what you just said, he, he basically oversaw her training from the time she was like 11 until she's a, maybe 12. She's pretty young when she starts this thing. It's pretty crazy. I, I think she's like thirteen, maybe or thirteen, whatever. Yeah. But they, got, they, they bring a kid into a war zone and then he sees her go through her teens, right? And um, and he basically does nothing about it. And what's even crazier is he was with her personally at the time that the temple was bombed. So he knows she didn't do it because or um, he may have been on Coruscant, but she was with Anakin and they were off planet. Like he 100 percent knows that she didn't do it because he she wasn't there. 
right? And yet he still goes along with the, the conviction and expulsion from the Jedi Order. And then later when he sees her in season seven of Clone Wars, he seems to still like sort of hold a grudge and not trust her. Even though she was, she was, uh, Barriss ends up confessing. And so she is, you know, Ahsoka is definitely, you know, uh, exonerated of this crime. Though she chooses to leave the order, he seems like sort of suspicious of her and really only talks to her in the context of helping Anakin, right? And so it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it is the worst thing that he does in this whole thing because this is a person who trusted him, who looked up to him, who he knows 100% is innocent, and he goes along with letting her be guilty instead of going to effort because, because of the politics of not wanting to have to dig deeper and to find someone else because they were afraid of what they might find or that if they didn't close this off quickly that they were going to get discredited and it's just it's just a one of the yeah yeah it's so disappointing and we want to believe that obi-wan has been this powerful jedi that he's been this mentor he's been this brother he's been this friend to anakin and to ahsoka and ultimately he turns out to be the betrayer I think, you know, to point to any one of the other Jedi on the council as potentially being the betrayer to Ahsoka, there's really no one who hurts more, I think, than Obi-Wan. And that just, you know, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are other, there are other definitely members of the council. Yoda, you know, Mace Windu are on here, Kayati Mundi. And they, um, they don't make a great choice here, but they don't know her like he does. And he, and and it's not that Obi-Wan doesn't have influence on the council. Like one could argue that he's probably in like the number four spot in a council of like 12 or 16, right? It's probably like Yoda, then Mace, then Ka, and then Kaati Mundi, and then probably, you know, somewhere between um, Obi-Wan and maybe uh, Shakti, who runs the clone operation on, on Kamino. And so it's not that he's like some junior member of the council either, right? He's up there and, and he's heavily influential. And he just chooses to do nothing. Also, the Jedi have a thing called the Chamber of Judgment, which is where they have this like little like, and it's not even, they don't even have a trial. Like they don't listen to evidence. They don't, they, they have a discussion off on the side and then they order her to the Chamber of Judgment and then they pass judgment on her without a discussion, which is also pretty, like pretty crazy. And like, I, do they do this often? Like they have a room for it. Is this a thing that happens a lot? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think if you look at the number of Jedi that have left the Order being, you know, disenchanted, then uh, apparently so, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, I guess I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, because there's so many Jedi throughout the galaxy that don't really come home, you know. They, they, they don't uh, fall back in line the way that you would hope that they would, that they just kind of stay out and, and do their own thing. And some of them accumulate power and wealth, some of them... Uh, decide to go down the dark side some of them just want to live a quiet hermity type life but you know they're they're all complicit and willing to let the jedi destroy another life and, and that that's ultimately i think what they do with ahsoka is that even though she is still going to wind up being a hero throughout the galaxy far far away they really take something from her when they do this to her yeah absolutely so obi-wan hero or no no, he's still a hero, right? Because in, in spite of all these things, right, he does his personal best to stay on the light side of the force. He does his personal best to follow the beliefs that he was raised with. He does his, I mean, he goes into exile in the desert for 20 years to protect Luke so that they have a chance of defeating the Empire. And he, at the opportune time, you know, gives Luke the information and the push and the encouragement that he needs. And in the end, 
right? He sacrifices some of his peace to defeat Maul, and he sacrifices his own life to create a situation where Luke can get the get the knowledge of the Force that he needs to carry on. And so, yeah, and and you know, he does his best to 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 teach Anakin. And you know, is it is it inevitable that Anakin will fall to the dark side? Maybe. Is it you know, did he do his did he do his best? Yeah. And so I think I think he's a he's sort of a, a tragic hero. He makes bad choices. Um, and sometimes he doesn't learn from his mistakes. Whether he could have learned in the environment that he was in with the people that surrounded him, it's hard to say. Um, and so as much as, you know, I think these are all some terrible things that he did. In the end, I think and like on balance, he did good. Um, or or at least he did the best he could. I, I think you're right on all of those counts. Um, you know, obviously we can't have Obi-Wan Kenobi as a guest on our show because he's not real. But, you know, let, let's... Wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought it was just because he's dead. <laughs> okay, both. Sure. Um, but, but no, we know that he's getting a, a show on Disney+. And I would very much like to see how he reconciles some of his bad choices and how he learns from it. And I, I hope that that's going to be the show that we get to see. Yeah, that would be awesome. Because him just spying on a family, watching them raise a little boy would be creepy and weird. That would be creepy and weird. And and, and is basically what, yeah, I, like, I hope we can fill in those 18 years with something other than that. Because he, it's obviously he's not like, he doesn't have like a relationship with that family. So any like observation and protection is done from afar. So yeah, if that's the whole show, it's going to both be boring and also creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I, I think, you know, we, we've still got some more Star Wars content that we want to unpack. Uh, you know, we'll be back next week. Uh, you know, we enjoyed our week off. But, you know, I, I think just kind of touching on things that we haven't looked at before or look at them a different way, even if we've talked about it, you know, is it, something that is just it's fun to do. And I, I want to keep doing this. Of course. Absolutely. I love you. I know. <laughs>